You are now listening to Escape Rally Comics Podcast Show, a podcast where we discuss all things nerdy, geeky, fandom, and so much more. We will cover everything from what is happening in the world of comics, shows, and fandom to the hard-hitting stories of the news today. Now, here's your hosts, Chad and Kevin. Hello and welcome to Escape Rally Comics Podcast Show. I'm your host, Chad Lirius. Unfortunately, Kevin's not going to be here today, but today I got something really special planned for you guys. The title of today is going to be The True First Black Superhero. So, on this episode, we're going to be discussing an Orrin C. Evans. And I know a lot of you out there are scratching your heads on who is this Orrin guy. So, how I came across this whole subject is because of a commenter I had on my TikTok account at ER Comics. That's our official podcast TikTok account, right? So I was discussing a certain topic, and basically what I was discussing was about uh, when Josh reading, uh, Josh Josh Whedon was basically rewrote the whole Justice League script because when he got hired on. So I was talking about the fact that he rewrote the Justice League script, and what Josh Whedon conveniently did, he was excluding the portion of the script that showed Cyborg's parents as two African American geniuses, which is pretty rare in the big screen to depict. But instead of actually going to my normal route and telling this guy he's a moron on the internet, I went a different route. So what route I went, instead of talking about uh, telling this guy off and just leaving the discussion at that, I was basically thinking, like, what if we actually go and actually talk about black achievements for comic books? I was thinking in a way that um, it was almost Black History Month. It was in January when I did my uh, TikTok. And I was talking about Orrin C. Evans, and I found his story very interesting. So I thought I'd just elaborate more on the podcast. So I wanted to bring up the true first black superhero until recently. I wholeheartedly believe that the first true black superhero was the Black Panther. Then I came across an article talking about none other than the major part of our conversation, Orrin C. Evans. I learned how much had he had an impact through his comic books, as well as just how few people actually knew about him. And his story. And even trying to find stuff on uh, Orrin C. Evans, there was like three major uh, links that I could really find about him. And I was really shocked how this guy did a lot in his past. I thought I'd elaborate more on his story. But before we start, there will be a trigger warning. A major trigger warning. Which I myself hate even to give, but in order to be authentic to the story, I will be saying the word Negro. The word, although I'm not comfortable with, is a portion of the title of the comic book that we'll be discussing today. With that said, let's go right into it. So the year was 1966, just about one year after the Black Panther civil rights movement began. It has gone down in comic book history that Stanley and Jack Kirby created the very first black superhero. This character was introduced when he was to show up to fight the Fantastic Four in issue number 52. The Black Panther. Both creators, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, are credited to this very day for creating the very first black superhero. And it's pretty much common knowledge. Even I myself thought this whole time. Well, I'm here today that historically that is incorrect. Now, I'm not here to attempt to take away Jack Kirby's and Stan Lee's achievements. Their goal at this point of time, 1966, when they created the Black Panther, was to have black representation in the comic book world during the height of the civil rights movement. With all that being said, let's talk about Orrin C. Evans and his difficult yet influential life. So Orrin C. Evans was born in 1902 in Steelton, Pennsylvania. 
This was before NAACP and any urban league even existed. Orrin grew up in a very confusing and racist environment, and this is where it gets interesting. He, he was aware of how racist his environment was at a very young age. Evans' father, George Evans, was a light-skinned African-American. On the other hand, his mother was a dark-skinned African-American woman. So, therefore, his father would basically pass as white. George Evans, Orrin's father, would actually take advantage of this to have to provide a better life for the family instead of the menial jobs that available to the people of color at the time had to offer. He was able to live in a white neighborhood without any objection. And this is actually really rare because back here, back then, it was against the law for a white passing African-American to pass as white. So if he got caught, he would have been in jail. He would have been thrown in jail, probably beaten. So just kind of think like this, how much danger George is really in this whole time. Here's the thing that just wowed me. Unfortunately, this was not the case for Oren's mother. Oren's mother was a dark-skinned African-American woman. She had to introduce herself as the maid. So if George had any uh, guests to come in from work or any work friends or anything like that come to his place to visit, the wife would take Oren to the back room to hide him and she would put on an apron and introduce herself as the maid. So, Orrin, unfortunately, was not white passing. And this just made Orrin's life just more difficult. Even George's. If Orrin had to go to his father's uh, work or anything like that, he could not acknowledge Orrin's existence at all. So, this is the... This, his childhood was pretty tough. But he, like, recognized how racist he... The whole neighborhood was. Because they lived in a white town. Uh, every time they had white friends over or white white people over, the, uh, the wife had to put on an apron and say, I'm the maid. And Orrin had to go hide in the back. In the back room. But, with all this happening in Orrin's life, he was also a strong-headed young man. Very bright. He had a dream of becoming a writer, so he dropped out of 8th grade to pursue that dream, and at the age of 17, Orrin got his first job at Sportsman Magazine. He got Then he followed up with another job at the Philadelphia Tribune, which it, it, I just got to say, this is on record the oldest black newspaper in the U.S., so he got a job there. From there, in the 1930s, he landed a writing position at the Philadelphia Record. Orrin was the first African-American to cover general assignments while working for the record. That was a big deal back then. So, let's paint the picture. Orrin is an African-American who is a journalist. He's a writer at a very young age. This was very dangerous for an African-American, for his position and his skin color. So, Orrin got into controversy in, when he was working for the record in 1944. He wrote a whole series of articles about troops being segregated in the military. He even received an honorable mention in that year's Hayward Hale Braun Award, which this is pretty cool. Later on in 1948, this would eventually help in segregation in the military. Just want to put that out there. I thought that was really interesting. But, you know, it's coming back at the time, come, going back at the time, Orrin had received death threats because 
How dare a black man criticize the military and to say in a democracy, all men are equal? Well, some some people found this really treasonous. Every time he got a death threat, he actually did take it seriously. Orrin's daughter, Hope, remembers that their family was guarded by family and friends for 24 hours until the threats have stopped or subsided, one of the two. That wouldn't be the first time that Orrin's skin color and position would trigger the racists. There was an incident at the Philadelphia Police, the precinct at 55 and Pine, where a police sergeant pulled the re- his revolver and ordered Orrin out of the station. Didn't believe that a black man who was a journalist, didn't believe Orrin was a journalist whatsoever, by the way, but he didn't believe a black man had any legitimate reason to be at the station unless he was behind bars. Then, and here's a, here's a big one right here. This is how racist it was back then. There was a national hero and Nazi sympathizer. I say, I'm sorry, but national hero and Nazi sympathizer should not be together whatsoever. But hey, back in the day, it was Charles Lindbergh. If you don't know who Charles Lindbergh is, he was a famous for flying nonstop across the Atlantic Ocean. He held up a press conference to address the kidnapping of his own young son. His son got kidnapped. And Oren was the only black man there. At the press conference, Orrin got kicked out of the press conference because simply because he was black. Charles Lindbergh, who was a giant racist, didn't feel comfortable about talking about his kidnapped son in front of a black man. How ridiculous is that? But uh, for anybody who's curious about Charles Lindbergh's son, if you guys don't know already, he was dead. He was found dead, unfortunately. Um, the cause of death was a blunt force trauma to the head. Okay. Well, now going back to Orrin. <laughs> unfortunately, after World War II, the record got hit by a workman strike, and management decided to instead shut down the newspaper instead of dealing with labor issues. They just shut it down. So at this point, Orrin was literally jobless and wondering what to do. But he did enjoy comics, and he would often read comics to his daughter, Hope. He also enjoyed civil rights cartoons by his friend, Jerry Doyle. Orrin enjoyed that you could actually address major and complicated issues through cartoons, uh, political cartoons, to make them simple and clear for people. He wondered if he could actually reach a wider audience through comic books as well as, as with his writing. He was tired of the lack of black heroes as well as the fact that most media would portray black characters as Ill- illiterate violent, and lazy. So, he partnered with his former record editor, Harry T. Sawyer, his sports editor, Bill Driscoll, and two others to find the Philadelphia publishing company, All Negro Comics, Inc., as out, with Orrin Evans as the president. With a cover date of June 1947, All Negro Comics was born with a 48-page standard-sized comic with a, with a typical glossy color cover with a newsprint interior and listed for 15 cents a copy, which was rare back in the day because back then, usually listed for 10 cents a copy, which made All Negro Comics, Inc. the first all-black publishing company and comic book. The first. But I wish I could sit here and tell you that how many copies were printed and how much all Negro comics grossed. But unfortunately, that was all gone. That's all lost to history. But one historian has to say, while there were a few heroic images of black created by blacks, such as Jive Gray comic strip and all Negro comics, these 
images did not circulate outside of the pre-civil rights segregated black communities, unfortunately. Within all Negro comics, we had stories like Ace Harlem, Little Doodillies, Ezekiel Manhunt, Hep Chicks on Parade, Little Eggy, Sugarfoot, Lion Man, and Bubba. This is one of the first comics that actually addressed an African-American going to college. He was sent by the United Nations to the Gold Coast of Africa to watch the dreaded Magic Mountain. Why? Because the Magic Mountain had uranium posits, deposits in the mountain itself. Kind of sounds familiar, don't it? An African-American, Golden Coast, a mountain? Just take away uranium and add vibranium. Hmm. Anyways, <laughs> I thought it was just kind of weird. But in, in, in the comic book, uh, Lion Man actually adopts this. Um, Lion Man adopts Bubba. And, I, and he, I guess he's like his partner or whatever. And it literally showed in this comic strip that showed that a black man is fighting a white man and actually winning. So this you can imagine how pissed off the white people were. At this point in time. I mean, white people suck. I'm sorry. Back in the history, white people suck. All right. Going back. Oy vey. I just couldn't believe it. So anyways, after after his show's Lion Man beating up a whole bunch of white people because they wanted uh, uranium deposits in Magic Mountain, kind of, you can kind of imagine how pissed off the white people were. So there was a second issue actually planned. And ready to be printed out. He had the artwork done. He had the writing done. He was ready to go. But unfortunately, Orn could not find vendors to sell him newsprint. So this is what the family, Evan's family, thinks what happens. So they actually believe that there was a pressure on vendors to stop selling wholesale newsprint to Orn by bigger publishers and distributors who didn't welcome the news competition, the new competition and the second issue of all Negro comics were ne- was never published. So unfortunately, that was it for Orn in comic books. But he did go back to work for a newspaper where he would become the director of Philadelphia Associated Press and an officer of the Newspaper Guild of Greater Philadelphia. In 1966, Orn was awarded the Inner Urban League of Pennsylvania Achievement Award. And in 1971, before his death... He was honored at the annual NAACP convention in Minneapolis, and a scholarship was actually created in his name. Orrin Evans will be forever known as the father of black comic books. He paved the way. And this is why his story is important. After Orrin, there was a big vacuum for black comic books, for black characters to be represented in a way that it's actually normal after that when they even uh Fawcett even came out with um negro romance it did only lasted three issues but because of orn that was actually be there was actually black comic books and black representation in comic books any of you are out there interested in looking at uh his comic book i actually have it posted at w.ercomics.com forward slash blog and with that said I hope you guys have a nice and wonderful day to the cup of coffee in the morning to the nice glass of Merlot at night. Thank you for listening to ER Comics Podcast Show. Tell us how we did. You can let us know on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Just search for ER Comics. 